Hey guys, it's Dawn. If you would like to hear the How My Parents Raised Me podcast ad-free, and if you would like access to subscriber-only episodes, join me in the What's the Truth community. You can join via the Apple Podcast app. There's a link right there in the app. Or go to whatsthetruth.supercast.com. Links are in the show notes. Don't miss out on all the extra content I'm sharing. I can't wait to see you over there. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. So long story short, right towards the end of the relationship, I started learning about narcissism because of course, in true fashion, I had to Google to try and figure out why this relationship was so toxic, learned about that. And as I started connecting those dots, I started realizing, wait a second, this sounds a lot about like my mom. Welcome to How My Parents Raised Me. I'm Dawn Chitty. When we are born, we arrive here as pure and perfect souls. And the direction our life takes from that moment is deeply connected to what our parents bring to our lives. And what our parents bring to our lives is deeply connected to what their parents brought to their lives. And that's the cycle of families. I have always craved connection with real and raw stories to understand what makes you, you. What makes you the absolutely unique human that you are. Stories are medicine for the soul. They can connect us and they can change the world. And so in this podcast, I'm listening to beautiful souls sharing their story. What happened to them, how they got through and how they have healed and thrived despite everything to arrive right here in this moment. Content warning, if you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, please seek a helpline in your city. 
Hello, my beautiful friends, and welcome back to the podcast. It's so great to have you here. Patterns of generational trauma need to be broken by us. That's our job, regardless of what has happened before or who we feel is to blame, only we can change it. So for five steps to break free of generational family patterns, go to the Heal blog and find out how. The link is in the show notes. I think most of the people I've spoken to about growing up with a narcissistic parent will say the abuse was normal and they did not understand it to be abuse until much later in their 20s and 30s. So if you are only just now beginning to understand the abuse you were subjected to, you are not alone. Alex Scott is a narcissistic abuse healing coach. She knows firsthand what growing up with a narcissistic mother is like and how that toxic relationship can lead on to many adult relationships with narcissists because the abuse is familiar and normal. In this quick chat episode, Alex is sharing the signs that your parent was a narcissist. We pick this story up as Alex found herself back on the dating scene, ready to find love. I thought I was ready to date again. So I'm on Bumble, I'm swiping, I get into this on again, off again relationship that basically was a year and eight months of pure chaos, hell on earth. And if you've ever been in a narcissistic relationship, you're like, it's hard to explain to other people because it's such a mind F-U-C-K. I'm not sure if I can curse on here or not, but it is, it, it really screws with your mind and like, you know, the perception of reality of, of who you are and your ability to trust yourself. So it was a long year and eight months of, you know, chronic cheating, you know, chronic gaslighting, blame shifting, all of the standard narcissistic abuse tactics. But I didn't know that. I just thought this guy, if I'm being really honest, I thought this guy kept coming back to me because he loved me so much. Like that was really the mindset I had. And I think a lot of survivors of narcissistic abuse, specifically in romantic relationships, think that, especially because of the societal conditioning of like, you know, if they keep coming back to you, it must be really special. And it's like, or they're just a, you know, narcissistic relationship cycle, you know? So long story short, right towards the end of the relationship, I started learning about narcissism because of course, in true fashion, I had to Google to try and figure out why this relationship was so toxic, learned about that. And as I started connecting those dots, I started realizing, wait a second, this sounds a lot about like my mom (laughs) and, and then it all connected. And I started learning about trauma and how we're wired for patterns and why we're wired for patterns. And So basically I got into a lot of toxic relationships and then this specific one, he actually was diagnosed with an NPD and confided in me about that when I broke up with him because I had figured it out enough that I was like, ooh, like, and so when I mentioned it, he had been to court-ordered therapy because of some violence from his past. And he was like, yeah, when I was in court-ordered therapy, it came up. So I was like, oh, good to know. Cool. Bye. (laughs) Yeah. And then, you know, I, I, but as I've gone through this journey, you know, the amount of love and compassion and trust I've developed with myself and the relationship I have with myself and the world that I've created for myself since then is so beautiful. So it's an honor to be able to take 
what I've been through and convert that into a ripple effect of healing globally too. It's really cool having international clients, but yeah, that's basically my story. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's interesting, isn't it? And I think so many people don't see it when they're growing up, obviously, because it is just so manipulative and it's just your normal. And how did that affect you as a a little child? Did you have mental health issues? How did it play (laughs) out for you? I did, but I, I mean, I have, I had ADHD, but no one knew until I literally got diagnosed this year. And there's a heavy correlation with narcissistic abuse and ADHD because of the amount of brain fog and dual realities you're kind of trying to cope with. So, you know, it's fascinating to me how our little brains will try and save ourselves as kids and ADHD is one of them, right? It's kind of a coping mechanism. So that was one, but no one knew that everyone just thought I was a spastic child who couldn't sit still in her seat and had to be dancing all of the time. I would go dancing in restaurant bathrooms all the time and mm-hmm. like disappear. And I would be doing like my three act ballet in my ba- in the bathroom in these restaurants. And people would walk back to my parents' table being like, I think your kid is in the bathroom. And they're like, yeah, she's been in there for 30 minutes. Maybe we should go find her. How does that actually, how does that actually work then? Because I've said this before, like I believe that almost all of those things that we get diagnosed with the ADHD, all of those things I feel are connected to trauma, but then I get a lot of people just getting very upset with that. That's not how it is. You can't say that. So what happens, what is the ADHD reaction? What is the body doing in that trauma response? I mean, it's searching for dopamine, right? Like dopamine's a happy hormone. And if we, ADHD is a dopamine deficiency. So like you get up and it's, it's one of those things when we experience what's called executive dysfunction, you know, we're, we're numbing out, we're on the couch, like our to-do list is overwhelming, produces a lot of anxiety. So we kind of just start to get paralyzed. But when we're kids, you know, and we don't necessarily have a to-do list, the way we're, we're reacting is we're trying to chase dopamine, you know, in adulthood, we do it differently. You know, we lay on the couch and watch Netflix as children, we run around with in our underpants doing crazy stuff. You know what I mean? Whatever it is, or we're playing with our hot wheels cars, or we're nonstop playing video games, or we talk really fast, which I still do to this day, as you can see. And all of these different ways, because what we're, we're just looking for that stimulus in our brain. And so that's why we're so impulsive sometimes, or we can get really hyper-focused on things that do produce a lot of dopamine for us. So whether that's scrolling on Instagram, or like I said, playing video games or, and then unfortunately it can get, there's correlations with substance abuse too. Same thing. We're just chasing the dopamine hit. And for kids, you know, when you see that in children, because I agree with you, there's a, a very heavy correlation with science now that it is linked to trauma. You know, we need to understand that being able to provide a space for children to exist as children, instead of shaming them and trying to put them into these boxes of like behave, speak when you're spoken to, and we shame them for having human experiences like anger and sadness. You know, you have nothing to cry about. Don't be angry. Don't give me that tantrum. And then we grow up with adults who have mental health issues and wonder why. You know, it's because of, we're not allowing children to be children. We're not creating space for them to be little humans and so much more, you know, and we're invalidating their experience along the way with, which something as simple as that is a form of trauma. And a lot of people don't even know that, you know? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So it's almost like a feeling that you don't belong in your own family, I guess, growing up. (laughs) 
100%. I felt the term that really resonates with me is ugly duckling. You know, I felt alone and lost and, you know, not pretty because I have a sister. I have a half sister who's nine years older than me and drop dead gorgeous. And my narc parent loved to remind me of how beautiful she was and that I was the curvy one in the family, like just with the big nose and the double chin. Yeah. So it's Um. just like, it's, and those are two of my biggest insecurities today. And I laugh because I never noticed them until my parent pointed it out to me. You know what I mean? So it's like, and I share that because I want anyone who's listening to this to be like, Ooh, yeah, me too. Like I've been there too. I've been nitpicked for things that are out of my control too. And made to feel like you, like you said, an outcast, you know, I didn't feel seen. I didn't feel heard. I didn't feel like anyone was okay with me being the fun, loving, carefree kiddo with all the energy wanting to perform and, and hang out and fit in. And it screwed me up in a lot of ways, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Can I just tell you, you are beautiful. You're so, you are so beautiful. And it's just so like these things, we hang on to them, don't we? Like they just become a part of, oh, that's what I believe about myself. When in fact, it's just the opinion or the, it's really just the manipulation of a, a person who's trying to be manipulative. But that golden child dynamic is that just a control tactic? Is that why it's happening in a family? Yeah. Yeah. It's a try. I mean, yes. Golden child slash triangulation. Cause sometimes even with kids who are only children of a narcissistic family or parent, they'll be triangulated with other, you know, so-and-so's kid doesn't do that, which also yeah. happened to me. And the, the reason they do that and they draw the comparison is because of that control. If I can make you feel shame, around how you're existing right now, I'm going to get the result I want out of you. Yeah. And it's freaking painful, especially as a kid. Cause you don't get that. You just think like, Oh, I'm bad. I yeah. did something bad. So I'm a bad kid. Mm. And you have the shame. The narcissist plants that shame in you woo, real strong. And then it lingers. And then we don't know what we're dealing with. And we're wondering why we're severely codependent or why we're always comparing ourselves, especially women. We're pitted against each other all the time. So it's like, if she dyed her hair that way, I need to dye my hair that way. If she's perming it like this, then I need to do that. And if she's dressing like that, then I, and it's just like, you know, a lot of daughters of narcissistic abuse struggle with confidence because of that, you know? Yeah. Men too, men too. I just, I speak from a woman's perspective because I am one. Yeah, absolutely. And so for anybody that didn't realize that they grew up with a narcissist or a narcissistic parent, what are some signs like looking back? What are the sort of things they might remember about growing up that would point to the fact that they had a narcissistic mother or or father? Yeah. Well, man, a part of me wants to be like, you were more scared of your parent than feeling safe. Like that's one. Cause I was, you know, like I behaved not because I loved my parents, but because I was terrified of what would happen if I did not you know? So that's, that's one thing. That's one little clue, but you know, there's a few things. Hypervigilance is really common, which kind of goes along the lines of the fear thing. Like I, I talk about this with clients all the time. Like I developed a sixth sense for footsteps in my house. So like I could be on the second floor of my, the second story of my childhood home and like hear footsteps on the other side, going through the living room and be able to tell like, okay, that's this person. They're in this kind of mood. You just become very aware 
and being like an amoeba, if you will, that can feel and then shape shift depending on how the parent is to get the end result that you need, which is self-preservation. So I remember always changing, you know, the conversations, my way of being, depending on this narc parent's mood so that I would escape being yelled at, being confronted, like whatever it was that I needed to escape. You know what I mean? And so that's one thing. Like if you, if you can look, if what I'm saying like really is hitting home, you're like, Ooh, yeah. Like I remember being like sensitive to noises, being able to pick up on people's moods. Another thing is being gaslit. I was gaslit so much. Like I have vivid memories when I was sick, six years old, crying over something and being mocked, like do it for the camera. You're pretending, geez, you're so full of it. Like, and it's like, no, I'm, I'm six and I'm crying for a reason. Can someone hear me please? Like I used to not be able to talk about that memory without crying. So this is like kind of really great for for me, testament to my healing, but yeah, like you're made to feel like you're not allowed to have emotions. And if you have emotions, it's your own fault. And you're the other thing I heard a lot was your brain is playing tricks on you, like which is only further gaslighting to instill a sense of self-doubt in my own understanding and perception of things. So, you know, any there's a lot of layers to narcissistic parenting. Blame shifting, you know, I wouldn't be doing this if you didn't do that okay, that's not, no, you're your own, you're an adult, you have self-control. Are you going to yeah. use it or not? So those are the big ones I would say, but there's lots of layers and I have tons of content on it as well. If anyone wants to go lurk for more yeah, signs. Absolutely. And so as you go out into the dating world, I mean, how does a person who is so used to, so normalized to that sort of abusive relationship with a parent how are they going to ever recognize this in a person that they are going out to date I mean how does this how does somebody do that they don't Mm. I didn't yeah I didn't and that's exactly why I landed my my booty in a relationship with someone die you know with with NPD too because it's like we we don't quite and for me I didn't question my parents especially with the religious aspect you know honor your mother and father was used as a threat in my household quite a bit like you know so it's like one of those things where I I wasn't allowed to ask why like so critical thinking was shamed a lot in my household and so I just took took it I took it I took the abuse because I didn't have an option right and so because my nervous system got so conditioned to surviving in that kind of environment that became familiar that became the environment in which my nervous system was like I know this game I know how to operate here this feels normal even though logically I knew it was dysfunctional. I knew it wasn't right. I knew, you know, I used to say like, she crazy, like, you know, I could, I could recognize like something wasn't quite right. I had no idea that it was to the length and how not right it was until my mid twenties, you know? And so what, what ended up happening for me was once I got out of this relationship and started connecting these dots, you know, if we aren't conscious of the difference between what we have been conditioned to call chemistry and the spark versus our own anxiety and intuition saying, red alert, this person's not healthy for you. We're going to confuse those two signals. And let me tell you, all of my entire early, like teenage, not even early 20s, teenage years, the who I lost my virginity to all the way through like young adults, like getting married, getting divorced, dating, ending up in this relationship, 
all of it was unconscious. It was just my nervous system on autopilot seeking out similar relationship dynamics, which means although I haven't dated 20 narcissists, I've only had the one that was diagnosed. They all were toxic relationships. They all very much had mimicked the trauma I had experienced in childhood, which is why they're called trauma bonds. So yeah, you won't because it's, it's been normalized to you. You don't doubt your parents until you doubt your parents. And it takes sometimes hitting rock bottom to be like, wait a second, that's not normal parenting. Thank you for being on this journey of healing and community with me. If you listen on Apple, I would love it if you could take a moment to post a review for the podcast. It would mean a lot. Check the show notes for all links recommended in this episode. If you're on Instagram, follow me at my big love project and please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. Thank you for joining me. You are such an incredible soul because you are you. You are unique. Your journey is unique and you can absolutely change the world with your story. Your time is precious and I so appreciate you being here. Thanks for joining me. I'll catch you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.